Hey everyone, this is Blake back with Metabolix Explained, and I'm really happy to be bringing a podcast back. It's been um, it's been quite a long time, and I actually recorded a podcast about two months ago, and I was going to publish it, but then just decided, you know, I was kind of angry at the time, and so it was kind of like a rant, and so I just decided not to post it, but maybe I'll tweak it in the future and republish it when I'm uh, more calm, cool, and collected. But today we are going to be talking about post-workout nutrition and supplementation briefly. But before I get started, um, I just wanted to say that I actually have a new Instagram for the podcast itself. It is at metabolics underscore explained. And it's really so I can be more active. Um, I can post kind of the stuff that I want to with regards to the podcast and everything else. On my personal Instagram, I just wasn't really feeling, you know, posting all this education and getting really connected with my followers, mainly because those people are, you know, my friends and my family and um, just wasn't really feeling all that right to me. So I created a pod or a Instagram separately. And I'll definitely be more active on there. I'm going to try and post at least once or twice a week, whether it be podcast updates, education, just whatever it may be, and really just kind of build that up. So if you aren't following it already, go follow the at metabolics underscore explained Instagram. So let's get into the topic, uh, which is, again, post-workout nutrition and supplementation. And I just want to start with kind of where I'm coming from and you see a lot of people that kind of put the emphasis on protein which is great I'm going to talk about that later but it doesn't really seem to be the most important thing immediately following the training um, that you just did whether it be resistance training endurance training a little bit of both um, whatever it may be and the disconnect um, is really because, you know, people think, okay, there's this anabolic window where I need to consume protein immediately post-workout. And I'm pretty sure I've debunked this on probably another one of my podcasts. But um, if I haven't before, if you know, if you have forgotten that this post-workout anabolic window is kind of BS. It's false. Um, there is, I will say that there is some, and this is like very some truth to it in the terms that, yes, you should be consuming adequate amounts of protein post-workout. And again, I'll talk about this in a bit, but it's not this um, ultimatum situation where the I think the background is, okay, if I don't consume protein post-workout, I'm not going to grow and my entire workout is going to basically for nothing, be for nothing, which is not true whatsoever. So let's shift the focus from protein to carbohydrates. And I'm assuming, or at least I'd think that a lot of people would already kind of think this is coming. They would think that carbohydrates are extremely important um, just because of how much I've talked about them in the past and other in other uh, podcasts of mine, but they're extremely important post workout, and you know this is for 
honestly, for a variety of factors. I mean, you have something like resistance training where the main energy production is coming from, you know, fossil creatine storage, and then you're running the glycolytic pathways. So you're breaking down a lot of stored carbohydrates, even when you're um, doing endurance running, you're still relying a lot on carbohydrates, even though, you, you know, exercising at low to moderate intensities of your VO2 max does use more fat for energy production, but still carbohydrates are going to be used in, in general for any type of exercise. I mean, they're going to be used in everyday life too, honestly, um, because, you know, glucose is the main fuel source for the body at all times. It has to always have uh, glucose in the blood, and it's always breaking down and generating new glucose in the liver. So it's extremely important. So with regards to exercise, of course we want to consume carbohydrates post-workout because we're trying to replenish muscle and liver glycogen that we just depleted during our exercise session. So because my background is more in the resistance training exercise, I mean, I think that I'm pretty versed in a lot of different exercise regimens. Um, I think a majority of the people that listen to me or know me, you know, are really in tuned with resistance training or in trying to either get stronger, get uh, bigger muscles via hypertrophy, obviously, or any of those things. So... Because of that, I'm going to talk about resistance training a lot. I mean, I'll touch on a few other things, but mainly this podcast is really going to be in regards to post-workout, or I guess post-resistance training nutrition. So let's start with the metabolism, I guess you could say, of it at first. So when you um, are resistance training, and you have constant muscle contractions. I mean, this isn't even with resistance training. This is any form of exercise when muscles are constantly contracting. The um, the calcium that's released from the sarcoplasmic reticulum actually creates this insulin-like effect, uh, also known as the insulin-like effect of exercise, because this um, calcium has been shown to actually release um, GLUT4 proteins to the membrane of muscles to facilitate glucose uptake. And I mean, this is um, highly efficient for a lot of different reasons, but for the aspects of just sports nutrition, or I guess post-workout nutrition in general, it should just be noted that these, uh, these proteins that facilitate glucose uptake into the muscles are highly active post-workout because of this constant muscle contraction, this constant influx of calcium release, calcium uptake, all of this stuff is keeping these proteins at the um, the membrane to, I guess, you know, easily intake glucose when needed because, again, we're tr- the main goal is to replenish muscle glycogen. So in addition to that, you have this rate-limiting enzyme called glycogen synthase that exists in an inactive form and an active form. And basically, when the muscle is filled with glycogen, or, you know, in the liver too, when they are filled with glycogen, 
this enzyme is really inactive. There's not, it's not synthesizing a lot of glycogen because why would it? It's full, basically. But when you deplete the glycogen, this enzyme switches to its active form, which now signals the body, hey, if I have glucose and glucose is available, I'm going to store it as glycogen. And basically, as more glycogen gets stored, this enzyme, you know, more of this enzyme starts to be converted to its inactive form. But it's important to note that this enzyme and this GLUT4 protein, they're highly active in the hours following training, more specifically in the zero to four hours following training. And again, even though I'm kind of honing on on resistance training, this kind of really applies to any exercise just because that's just human physiology. So with keeping that in mind, it's important to consume carbohydrates for one, to get glucose into the muscle via GLUT4, um, which is insulin regulated, but because like I said, that because this influx of calcium, um, this protein doesn't actually need to be facilitated via insulin. It normally is under resting conditions, but now that this protein is active, um, it's just, I don't want to say it's turned on because that's not really the correct terminology, but think of it like that. This, this, you know, this pathway is turned on more or less and able to get carbohydrates into the muscle. So now that some of the metabolism has been outlined, what are some general guidelines? You know, should I just pound as many carbohydrates as I can? Um, or what should I do? Well, the literature really shows that the most effective um, carbohydrate intake is about 1.0 to 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per hour in the zero to four hours following exercise. And in addition to this number, it should really be these fast-acting, high-glycemic carbohydrates, preferably in liquid format, immediately following the workout. And you typically hear this um, because people are like, you know, I, I eat fruit post-workout or I'll have actually, I've actually heard pe people drink like a Coke post-workout or, you know, something, a sugary substance where you're able to basically get glucose into the blood. There is not that high of an insulin response because these GLUT4 proteins are already active and you're able to get the glucose into the muscle too store carbohydrates and potentially even load the muscle with glycogen because like I said as the muscle is depleted with glycogen these enzymes or you know the the glycogen synthase enzyme is more active so you might even store more glycogen potentially this is like you know in theory and this is something that you should really be following in the zero to four hours following exercise like I said um, but, you know, in the zero to four hours following exercise, you don't need to be pounding, you know, Cokes, for example, or eating a bunch of fruit. I mean, you can if you want, but, you know, I would say probably in the, the, the latter of the hours, you know, maybe like the last two hours or maybe even three, that's when you're probably consuming more of the high glycemic carbohydrate foods themselves. So uh, maybe like white rice or... Um, Maybe like white pasta. I mean, even though pasta itself does 
is somewhat, I don't want to say dense, but it does have the fiber content to it slightly. But anyways, I'm going to talk about that later. But that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, because you really want to take advantage of the insulin-like effect of exercise, like I said. And then in the later hours of exercise, when GLUT4 is starting to slowly, you know, um, I don't want to say detach from the membrane, but, you know, it's starting to go back into its storage form. Um, that's when you start taking effect of insulin itself and really shuttling that glucose into the muscle. So, now that the guidelines and kind of the why has been outlined, what are my, or what is, what is my go-to? Um, my go-to is actually Gatorade. And... You know, I'm I'm gonna say it for a few reasons. I think you know, one Gatorade, it's it's cheap and it's effective. Um, and what I mean by this is, you can get you know, I shop at my local grocery store, and I can get about 10 32 ounce Gatorades for ten dollars, and that's pretty cheap to me, in my opinion, and. You know, the Gatorade in itself, from a post-workout standpoint, I think is actually, you know, really good in terms of its composition. I mean, it's it's Gatorade. It's, de it's designed for this, you know, specific purpose. So, minusing kind of the electrolyte content of it, which is, you know, rather small. I mean, it is some, but, you know, that's not really the, uh, not really the conversation. We're looking at things like it has sugar and dextrose. Um, some Gatorades might have maltodextrin, which, for those who don't know, is a carbohydrate that's in its um, in its structure. It's really um, it's really easy to be broken down and absorbed very quickly, and so it actually behaves like a simple carbohydrate, even though it's complex in nature, or I guess in structure. So, with regards to Gatorade with the sugar and dextrose. This is this is uh, utilizing multiple carbohydrate sources, and this is good for a multitude of reasons. One, um, you know, if we take a look at glucose and fructose, those two sugars use different transport mechanisms. We have glucose, and along with the along with galactose too. But that's you know that could be in some. Um, sports drinks, you have those two sugars that use the um, SGLT1 transporter, and then you have fructose that uses um, GLUT5, and so just based on that, if you're able to use different transporters, you're kind of able to get more sugar or more carbohydrate into the, um, you know, into the intestine or get that into the uh, and the capillaries and deliver it to the bloodstream. Um, and if you actually look at the literature, with regards to you know when they when they look at athletes that are consuming carbohydrates while they are working out, um, you actually see that glucose and other glucose polymers are oxidized at about a rate of one gram per minute, whereas Fructose is oxidized at about 0.6 grams per minute, which is, you know, much slower. I mean, you might hear that and think it's not that much, but in an exercise context where context where you're looking at maximizing results, it's it's pretty significant. So, 
using multiple carbohydrate sources with different transport mechanisms can result in higher absorption and oxidation rates during exercise. And so even though this is in an, a during exercise context, it could still be applied to following um, following your training session. I mean, granted, the carbohydrates aren't really being oxidized. I mean, they might to some extent, but really just looking at absorption. So this is why I use Gatorade. Um, it's cheap for me. It's, it's easy. It, you know, it tastes good. Um, and I think what it's actually composed of is relatively beneficial for an exercise context. But what about carbohydrate supplements? I see a lot of different things, you know, when you go into a supplement store, you go to a, um, you know, you look at supplements online, they have carbohydrate powders, and it says, you know, use post-workout, use intra-workout, pre, you know, whatever it may be. And my biggest question is, um, are these supplements really worth the money? And are they effective? And my honest answer is, yeah, they, they, they are effective. But the main limiting thing to that is, is it worth the money? Um, like I said, I can get 10 things of Gatorade for $10 at Ralph's, whereas some of these carbohydrate supplements can be anywhere from 25 to $50, depending on the what's in it and the brand and everything. And, y you know, you could make the argument that the carbohydrate supplements are probably more beneficial because they are more... Um, you know, they have probably higher amounts of dextrose or maltodextrin, whatever it may be. But my kind of opinion on supplements is, you know, like if you can afford it, then yeah, it might be beneficial. Um, and you could use it in your supplement arsenal. But, you know, if you're kind of on a budget or you rather kind of limit the amount of supplements you have, I would probably just stick with a sports drink. Doesn't even have to be Gatorade. It can be Powerade or whatever it may be. So now that we kind of talked about carbohydrates, what about protein? Because I did say earlier that you should consume some sort of protein post workout, and I I completely think that's the case. I always think, or I always have thought, and I always will think that proteins slash essential amino acids should be consumed post-workout. Maybe not immediately, but I would say, you know, you look at studies that look at, uh, you know, feeding post-workout and not feeding, and the protein synthesis rates are higher when food and um, protein and or essential amino acids are fed following the workout. I mean, these... This stuff should be consumed regularly throughout the day if we're talking about maximizing muscle protein synthesis, but that's kind of a conversation for another podcast. But um, consuming amino acids, especially essential amino acids following resistance training or exercise does show to favor the muscular and cellular adaptations to exercise, i.e. Um, hypertrophy or mitochondrial biogenesis if you're looking at an endurance athlete. Um, however, and this is my biggest problem with, you know, the push to consume 
these sup these protein supplements post workout. And it's really that some amino acids can be used to synthesize glucose if consumed post workout. And this is seen in studies and individuals who actually limit their carbohydrate intake of favor of fasting or intermittent fasting, ketogenic dieting, um, et cetera, anything where their carbohydrate, carbohydrate intake is limited. When it's shown that they follow these diet models and then they consume um, protein, they're actually, they observe higher rates of glycogen synthesis, which is potentially good if you're one of these athletes um, who don't consume carbohydrates, probably consuming protein post-workout would help benefit your exercise regimen. But for those of us who are really trying to maximize hypertrophy, which, you know, I'll just make my stance on it right now, ketogenic dieting and intermittent fasting is probably not the best avenue to maximize muscle protein synthesis. For those of us that are trying to grow and, you know, experience this myofibrillar hypertrophy, consuming protein in the absence of carbohydrates may not be the best way to achieve this because there is the, you run the risk of some of these amino acids being converted to glucose when we want to use those amino acids to actually synthesize lean contractile tissue. So ideally, carbohydrates would be consumed with the protein slash essential amino acids following the workout to maximize your muscle gains and prevent the breakdown of these um, glucogenic amino acids to glucose. So if we take the, this ideal scenario, how much protein should you eat? Well, the literature shows about 20 to 25 grams of protein per meal with, or I actually let me rephrase this. Yeah, those numbers have been shown, but an even better indicator has been shown that about 0.4 grams per kilogram body weight might be a better indicator um, because if you look at studies that are looking at um, amino acid amounts that activate the mTOR pathway in larger individuals, they may need more protein, obviously, because they are, one, larger in mass and potentially have more muscle mass to them. So using this 0.4 grams per kilogram body weight might be a better indicator. However, just because you consume this, this amount of protein, you still want about 8 to 10 grams of essential amino acids, 3 grams of which being leucine. And leucine is the only amino acid that uh, converts to something called HMB, which is actually the molecule that starts the uh, the mTOR pathway or the hypertrophy pathway. I mean, for just for for this podcast sake, I would just take it with leucine does that because I mean it it does honestly. Um, but that's kind of the the gold standard of trying to maximize gains. And honestly, this should be achieved multiple times throughout the day. I mean, I've in my second podcast I ever did, I talked about a piece of literature that 
pretty much used this reference of 1.6 grams per kilogram body weight to maximize protein synthesis, or sorry, 1.6 grams per kilogram body weight per day in order to create a an optimal nitrogen balance when not using um, anabolic or androgenic steroids that actually influence uh, nitrogen retention or anything like that. That was kind of the thing that I referenced, and I still some I still stick by that, you know, mainly. But I think I will come out with a new podcast that kind of tweaks that amount and touches on it, um, because I have read a lot more and looked a lot more into it, and you know, kind of played um, devil's advocate a little bit. So I think I'm going to do that. But for now, I think the the best way to really do this is to, you know, consume this um, 0.4 grams per kilogram body weight per meal a few times throughout the day, preferably, you know, three to anywhere from three to five times per day, as long as the eight to 10 grams of essential amino acids and three grams of leucine are provided. So a great um, food that does this is whey isolate. I mean, this is why it's such a popular supplement. Um, and if you do choose to supplement with whey isolate, I would recommend supplementing with carbohydrates at the same time or, you know, a little bit before. And this might be where, if you can afford it, having the carbohydrate powder might be the best because then you could just get a bland or, you know, an unflavored carbohydrate powder, throw it in your whey isolate, and boom, you kind of have the best of both worlds. But for those of you that don't want to get an extra supplement, um, Gatorade or any other sports drink. I'm a big fan of Gatorade. Um, and uh, you could also do this with essential amino acids or EAAs. Uh, if you've seen it on supplements, um, that could also be beneficial if adequate protein is not available post-workout. A few examples might be, you know, you're going out to eat post-workout with your friends or maybe yourself and you're unsure of how much protein is in the meal or um, you get home and you don't have a good source of protein and you don't have any protein powder for whatever reason. Um, essential amino acids are, are a great supplement um, as long as, you know, you follow this 8 to 10 grams of essential amino acids and 3 grams of leucine, then you'll probably get the most success out of it. I know, as I've talked about it before, a lot of supplements are, in fact, underdosed, so you'll have to look at the nutrition facts before you purchase a supplement or when you're determining your dosage for all that. So the last thing that I'll touch on just really briefly is what I actually do, just in case anyone out there is curious, if I, you know, if I follow, if I practice what I preach. So ideally, and you know, this is, you know, most days, I mean, I do have my days where I'm too busy or something else comes up, but most days I finish my training, I drive home. As soon as I get home, I consume about 12 to 16 fluid ounces of Gatorade, which is about 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrate in the form of, you know, sugar, dextrose, maltodextrin, whatever's in the Gatorade, whatever it may be. And uh, then I eat right after. And uh, typically I eat, you know, this white rice or white pasta and about three to four ounces, or I'm sorry, 3.5 to about four ounces of some form of meat like chicken, ground turkey or ground beef. 
Um, I weigh, you know, I, I weigh my food out and everything. I weigh carbohydrates out, protein out, whatever it may be. Cause I really like to be dialed in with all that. And, um, in those days where I don't have my food available to me or I'm on the go or anything, that's when I'll use a, a protein supplement or an essential amino acid supplement if I'm not able to eat. And then I'll try to, you know, I'll honestly, if I'm, I'm pretty committed. So if I don't have food, you know, I'll stop at a gas station, I'll buy a Gatorade and, um, you know, I'll, I'll drink it there or I'll do something like that in order to get those carbohydrates. And just because I know of how beneficial they are. So with that being said, I, uh, I really hope that everyone learns something, especially with regards to post-workout nutrition. And maybe you'll make the shift to where you consume more simple carbohydrates post-workout instead of just pounding as much protein as possible, thinking you'll grow the most. And with that, I thank you very much for listening. Um, if you'd like to, I recommend following me on Instagram at Metabolics Explain, where you can DM me, um, you know, like the photos and comment what you want to hear next. If you'd like to, you can actually donate to the podcast if you'd like to by clicking the link in the description box or wherever you are listening to and finding the um, supporters option. That would help me out a lot and just help support the podcast. And again, wherever you're listening, give it a like, five stars, thumbs up, whatever it may be. And I will chat with you in the next one. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you.